Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Because what I want to talk today about is the kingdom of God. But I want to talk about the kingship of Jesus as well. You see, I believe we've been singing about in, in, in the song, Revelation song it's called this morning, about the kingship of Jesus, who he is. Do you realize one day he's going to return? One day Jesus is going to come back and we're going to see him return in a glorious way. It says in the Bible, it says, talking about the end times, it says that you won't need to say, oh, we'll go to this part of the world to see Jesus when he returns. He's either there or here. He says, every eye will see. Every single eye will see, just as lightning. You see lightning cover the earth in, in that quick time. It will be such a, a, an instant thing. It won't be Jesus here. And I want to just talk today about the kingdom of God. The title of the message is The Cost of the Kingdom. The Cost of the Kingdom. You see, I believe that a lot of people, and, it's, and this is, I believe, that the enemy tries in, in our lives, he doesn't want us to see the kingship of Jesus. He doesn't want us to see the, the fact that we are not just serving a religion or a special prophet as some would say he is, but he is the king of all kings. Do you realize this morning that we don't just serve a king, but we can operate in his kingdom? What we're seeing lately is, and what we're starting to see with God moving and doing some amazing things that sometimes I don't even know the answers to. I don't understand everything about God. Every time I see more of him, I get more confused. Every time he does something else, I think, Lord, why don't you do this? Why do you do that? It gets even more confusing, but that's the best place to be. For us never to fully understand, because you will never grasp in your head or your brain anything about who God is, who Jesus is. And I want to talk today about the kingdom of God. And what it is to operate in that and the cost of doing it. It's free to be a Christian. It's free to be saved. It's free to receive salvation from Jesus. That's one part of it. But I'm telling you this morning, you can receive the gift. You can receive salvation. But there is a cost for you this morning to operate in his kingdom. You might say, no, it's free. God gives his grace. There is a cost. And I'm going to show you some of them things this morning. I'm turning, if you could turn with me, and it will come up on the screen, to Matthew 17, verse 24. Matthew 17, verse 24. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? These were special temple tax collectors. These weren't the tax collectors like Matthew. These were people who came in Capernaum to collect the two drachma 
temple tax. That's two drachma per person. Two drachma is equivalent to roughly two days work. So they were coming to ask for two days worth of work tax for the temple. Peter said this when they came to the door, the bailiffs, tax collectors. He said, yes, Jesus does, he replied. When Peter came back into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. He said to him, what do you think, Simon? If you don't know what that means, Simon is another word for Peter. So he says, what do you think? In other words, Peter, he asked, from who do the kings of the earth collect duties and taxes? From their own children or from others? Peter answered, from others. Then the children are exempt. Jesus said to him, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish that you catch, open up its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin, not a two, a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Then turn to Matthew chapter 18. At that time, that's the same time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You find that in Matthew, kingdom of heaven is used a lot more than kingdom of God, but actually it means the same thing. He called a little child to him, Jesus did, and he placed the child among them and he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. In these scriptures that we've just read in Matthew 17 and 18, of two separate kind of things really, but one is the first story, the, the kind of story, it's not a parable, it's a story of Peter in the house, and Jesus is with him in Capernaum, his home village. And he says, the temple tax guys, the bailiffs, let's call them, come round to collect the, the, two temp, the two drachma temple tax. And they ask a question before they do. They say, by the way, Peter, this guy Jesus you're with, this teacher guy, should he pay the two as well? Peter never goes back into the house and asks Jesus. He says, yes, he does. He makes up his mind for Jesus. He says right there and then on the spot, with the pressure on, yes, he pays as well. Kind of, he's just like me. And then he goes back in the house. And the first thing is that Jesus is the one to speak to Peter. He says he's the first to speak to Peter. He says, what do you think, Simon? He's already said what he thinks because he's just told the guys on the door. And these guys have gone away knowing that they need to send an invoice to Jesus as well for the two drachma. Let's get back to the office, guys. We've got another two drachma because he's just said Jesus pays as well. He's just like us. He's just like Peter. And he goes back in and Jesus doesn't leave it there. I get. I guess that Peter was going back in, rumbling around in his piggy bank, trying to find two drachmas for him. Whether he was about to ask Jesus, you need to pay or not, I've got no idea. But he went back in and Jesus is the first speaker. says, what do you think? What do you think? And then what he does is he tries to relate back. He says, should the kings, the children of the kings pay this kind of tax in an earthly measure? He says, no. He says, well, the sons are exempt. In other words, 
you got it wrong. Because really I should not be paying this two drachma temple tax. Peter, you got it wrong. If you'd have come back in and we'd had a little conversation, you'd have understood that I shouldn't really pay that tax. Because I'm not, although I'm on this earth, I am a king. Do you understand that I am a king, Peter? Yes, I'm your special guest today. I'm in this house and we're having a good time. But do you know that I'm a king? But he says this in his grace and not to act abruptly. He says, but still, even though you, I'm trying to tell you I'm a king and I shouldn't even owe this debt to them. They shouldn't even send me any invoice for two drachma. What I'm going to tell you today is I want you to go down to the lake and I want you to go fishing And when you do, the first fish that you catch, you'll find a coin in its mouth. It's a four drachma coin. It's enough to pay my debt and yours. So he sends him. And Peter goes, doesn't he? As we know, Peter's an experienced fisherman. And he goes to do this little fishing trip for Jesus. See, Jesus, he doesn't come down on the temple and say, do you know who I am? I don't have to pay any of your taxes. He relates to them where they're at. But he tells Peter, who is a follower, he says, do you understand? I'm going to give you a miracle. I'm going to provide and give the money to pay them off. But I want you to understand this. I'm doing that so you can see my glory. You can see my kingship. But you need to understand moving forward that I am a king. And you can operate in this kingdom. If there's a king, there's a kingdom. If there is a king, there's a kingdom. It's not a king of the past. He's not talking about Jesus was a king then. If there's a king, there's a kingdom. And today there's a kingdom you can all operate in. Because we're all children of God. Hallelujah. So many of us today... And I'm telling you, this is the, the enemy tries to infiltrate this, I think, in our minds. But so many of us will, tr- will start to believe that the kingdom of God is way above in the stars and it's so separate from where you're at today. You say, yes, I know we've got Jesus. I sing these lovely songs every week. And I do all these great things for God. And, but do you know, I don't know if I really am operating in this kingdom. I'm just following a religion kind of thing. But the kingdom of God is not above the stars. In fact, when I look at the stars, the heavens tell the glory of God. He's right here, right now. The king is here today. He is not far away. It's not some far off land that you've got to try and shout to him for. When we see God do miracles, I'm starting to see that the kingdom of God is not a faraway land. Some fantasy place. But the enemy wants you to think like that. He wants us to think that the kingdom of God is some distant place where a saviour could come back one day. But I'm telling you it's not. Mark 1 verse 15, Jesus said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, put your hand in front of your face. You can't get it any further than your arm. The kingdom of God is that far away. In fact, it's closer. The kingdom of God is not some distant faraway land. It's at hand. It's so close to you. It's in you. 
It's inside of all of us. If we believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God and he is the king of all kings, his kingdom is so close, it's closer than you think. Stop believing that it's a distant, faraway place. What we learnt in this previous story as well is that, when I'm just going to go into it in a minute, but just straight after that in Matthew 18, it says this, to see this kingdom, to understand Jesus as a king, You've got to come like a little child. You've got to be like one of these little children. Do you know downstairs sometimes we're upstairs here and we're doing our thing. Do you know what's happening downstairs with the children? It's so awesome because they have such a small mind. But they will see the kingdom far easier than we will. You're thinking, oh yeah, we're so good up here. We've got, we've got the worship. Do you know what? Downstairs, the presence of God is still the same. The kingdom of God is there, right there. You see, I found with my son, Lewis particularly, the youngest, anything that dad says, he believes. Anything that I say to him, he believes it. Daddy, are we going there? I keep, we've booked a holiday, thankfully, at last. We're going on a holiday later on this year. I'm not telling you when. But we're going on a holiday. And, and Lewis, when he's naughty, I use it now as a bargaining tool. I say, I'm just going to go and ring up the, the holiday operators and I'm going to say to them, I'm going to go, because when I booked it, he was listening intently on the phone to all the list of names of the attendees for the holiday. So I said, it's me. And then I went through Emma's name and her details. Then I went to Jacob because he's the next. And I finished off with Lewis. And he was waiting intently in the room, waiting for his name to be mentioned, whether he's going or not. And I know that he's, he's wondering. And he said, mummy, am I going? I, and then he heard his name and his eyes lit up. So now every time I say, I'm just going to go and speak to the tour operator. Are you, do you really mean that, Dad? And I just joke around with him. But he believes what I say. Do you know what little children do? Because they, they dismiss, they declutter, they don't put all the things, intellectualism and logic. I'm telling you now, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to strip away your logic. Children don't have logic. Children don't put knowledge and things around like you do and I do. They see things completely differently. That's why Jesus said, bring one of these kids in. I'm going to tell you who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Look at these children. They don't think like you do. They don't have logic like you do. They don't try to have intellectualism. Do you know what? There's not one person in this city with the best PhD who can work God out. You think you've got the best degrees and PhDs. I've got a degree yeah, it's just from Anglia Polytechnic. He's from Cambridge, that's what I say. But you know, you can have all the best knowledge in the world and you will never understand the logic of the kingdom of God. So that's the first thing I just want to say to you this morning. Is it's not far away. To operate in this, you've got to get like little children. So I'm going to ask for one thing before we move on. Just start to think like a child for the rest of this sermon. Amen? Don't throw things around. The first thing I want to say today is, to operate in the kingdom of God, it will cost you your time. It's going to cost you time. Time is so valuable to every single one of us, but to operate in the kingdom of God, this kingdom that's at hand, that's at at your disposal almost, it's going to cost you time. After Jesus' disciples arrived in Capernaum, it says the the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, 
doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? He said, yes. He didn't understand the kingship of Jesus. The one thing that you, to get you to understand who Jesus is, is to spend time with him. You have to spend time with this person, Jesus. You cannot just go around operating in your life, acting like a Christian, trying to operate in the kingdom of God, and you've got no idea who he is. Jesus said there'll be people in the, at the time when he returns who say that we did all these things in your name. He says, I don't, I don't ever know you. The gifts come without repentance. Let me tell you this, if you're still, if you have sin in your life, God will not take the gift from you. And you will see some people operate sometimes, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know who he is. And I want to tell you today, if you want to know Jesus as, as your king, understand him, then you need to spend time with him. That might mean getting up a little bit early on the morning. That might mean spending some time reading and understanding who Jesus is. Rather than just riding the wave. You know, coming here each week and hearing testimonies is not the way to find out about Jesus. It's second-hand material. You need first-hand material. You need to know him for who he is for you. You need your own testimonies. You need your own story. You need your own life of knowing him. Never live on second-hand stories. You know, when I accepted the ministry and some of the things we've seen today, I've heard loads of stories of miracles and things all over the world before and some amazing stories. But do you know what? It doesn't, it's great. I thank the Lord for it. But I want it here. I don't want to just live on some other person's story. I want God to do something in our midst. And I want to know him, who he is, and his kingship. See, Peter didn't really understand who Jesus was. He said, he's just like me almost. He's a special guest. Yeah, he does pay the tax. And it was so easy for him to relate to the earthly way and say, I'm just going to pay the tax and just, it's easier than to tell these guys, do you know what? No, actually, he shouldn't pay the two drachma. This, this person is a king. He doesn't pay. It's so easy to get into society and to just settle in and just pay, pay people off. Keep people quiet. Don't really explain who Jesus really is. But I'm telling you, he's a king. What's your perspective today of him? Is he just a very important person to you? Is he just a prophet? Is he a good man who you read stories about that healed people? Or is he the king of all kings? In John 19, when in verse 19, Pilate, just before Jesus was put to the cross, he had a notice made. And it went above Jesus on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many know this sign. It's on all the pictures that this sign was put above. And we believe it was prophetic that that happened. That Pilate thought he had the power to put this. And it could have been took down. But it was prophetic that it, it stated the suffering servant. It said who Jesus was. He is the king of the Jews. 
But do you know many people would have looked as they passed Jesus in that area at the time when he was on the cross dying. They'd have looked at the sign above and saw King of the Jews. And many would have looked at that and thought, that's a bit ironic. That doesn't look like any king to me. He looks like a frail, dying king. That's no king. To some people it would have looked like a joke to put this sign above someone who was dying. But I'm telling you today that Jesus is the king. And although that then it looked like he was a frail, dying king, it was prophetic because he would be a king and one day he's going to return and you're going to see it with your eyes. You will see with your eyes. And some of you may be looking at that sign and in your hearts you say, I think he's a king. And that day when he returns and he comes back and the trumpet sounds, then you're going to know. You're going to know he's a king that is greater than any earthly king you've ever seen on this earth. I'm asking you today, is he just a king of the past? Is he just an ideal king of the past that you look back to? Or is he a king today in your eyes? When he's a king, things are totally different in your perspective of operating in the kingdom of God. See, let me tell you, if you want to wait until that day to discover whether he is a king or not, you're going to be living in between. You're going to be, I think he is. Revelation 19 verse 11 says this, John's revelation at the end times when Jesus returns. John said this, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. This is speaking of Jesus. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. On on to verse 16, he says, On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One day when he returns on that white horse, faithful and true, he says, On his thigh and on his robe, it will be written, King and of kings and lord of lords i tell you what i don't want to wait till the day when he returns to discover ah he really is a king i want to encourage you today know it now because peter didn't fully grasp it he didn't fully understand in luke 17 verse 20 to 21 the pharisees were asking jesus when will this kingdom come of yours He said, once being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus said this, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's in your midst. It's here right now. It's here right now. You know, just a few months ago, me and Emma, we went and visited London. And we, at this time, we, Emma said, we were looking at one of, some of the things to do. We like to go to the theatre and things like this. And one of the things that we said we'd do is go to Buckingham Palace. And Emma said, I want to go. And I thought, this is amazing. You can actually go inside 
Buckingham Palace and look around all of the rooms. So we went in and we looked at the tickets. It was something like £19 to go into the for a ticket and that would give you access to 19 state rooms. These are the main rooms where the Queen is normally. I'm like, £19 to go where the Queen's been? We've spent years going on the tube and getting off at Buckingham Palace and just looking through these gates with everyone else, waiting to see if she comes at the window when she never probably is there and she's probably just in one, in the back garden. And all these years we've done this, I said, we can actually go inside. She said, yeah, yeah. I said, let's go, let's get the tickets. So we went down, we paid the £20 and first we went in to look at all of the, the carriages of covered in, in gold and it was amazing. I, I thought, I cannot believe I'm now looking at some of the things that I've seen on the TV. Then I thought, I just, I was so anticipating what it's going to be like when we walk into Buckingham Palace. I thought, it is going to be sheer perfection. It's got to be. I've grown up as a little child looking at this place, that the Queen lives there, the same person that's on every single note and coin. I'm actually going to go and walk on the same carpets that she's walked on. In fact, one of the rooms it said that we had access to for 20 quid was the throne room. I mean, come on, 20 pounds. I realized when I got in there that things weren't up to shape and it needed a bit of work doing. Steve, you might get some more work down there. You know, the skirting boards needed a little lick of paint. I thought, now I know why they need my 20 pounds. You know, in my mind, I'd seen it as a perfect place. Not one thing out of place, not one cobweb, not one thing. And I couldn't believe as each room we walked around with these things on our ears listening and I'm trying to work out whether I'm in the right room for the recording. And Emma, I'm looking at Emma saying, are you on number 20? And we're trying to work out and yet throne room, here we are. And then we went into one room and it says, this is where she's brought President Obama and had a meal. And I'm looking at the table thinking, wow. Then we went into another room. And we got into this room and there was a fireplace. And they said on the recorder, said, look at the fireplace, look to the right. That, that whole wall turns round and it's a secret stairwell. I thought, this is amazing. And I thought, I'm just going to, everyone started to wander. They'd listened to the recording, they'd finished, and they moved on to the next room. So they moved on to the next room, and I, I stood there, thought, if I just hang on just five minutes, I wonder if she might just peek out of the door, just to see if everyone's gone. And I looked thinking, I wonder where she is. All I kept thinking of, where is she? It's great seeing the house, but where is she? And we kept looking through, looking, and they kept saying, sometimes she spends a time over there when people are in. I'm thinking, but where? Then we finished off, we come out of the back, and it got even better. We just went out into the garden. We've been in the Queen's Garden. And you could go to a coffee shop. This wasn't, wasn't like Costa. Every single cake had an emblem of the crown on top, neat and perfect. And we sat there, and I, I didn't even want to eat the cake. I looked at it and I'm saying, look at this. Do you know what? It's crazy this. Emma said to me, these are normal cardboard cups like ones we have downstairs. They had the Queen's emblem on the front and it said the Queen's Garden or something, the Queen's Garden Cafe. Emma said, I'm going to save the cardboard cups. I said, don't be silly. She goes, I'm going to save them. These cups, we can show the kids. I said, we can get them cups after. We don't need to save the cups. But I want to tell you, when we visited there, it was only a pound a room to visit. That's me working out value for money. 
I always try to work out the value. In fact, Jacob the other day had some cards. He had, he had all these cards he keeps buying from the shop. And he said, Daddy, look, I've nearly filled the whole book. I goes, what? And I looked at these cards he'd been getting from the shop. I said, how much are they a pack? He said, a pound. I said, how many do you get in a pack? He said, eight. I'm sat there calculating how much the albums cost to fill. Emma came and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm just trying to work out how much these things cost. But we went round. Each room, a pound. But do you know what? I went in there and I walked around the house, but I didn't know her. I didn't know her. I don't know who the queen is. She doesn't know me. She wasn't prepared to come out of the secret door and just give me a quick wink. Say, hi, Phil. How you doing? Heard a lot about you in Kings. No, 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 no. You know, she doesn't know me. I was just like everyone else in that room. In fact, the security checks it took to get in there because they didn't trust us, obviously. You know, you'd think they'd trust me as a friend. But I had to put my bags through the scanners and everything. We don't know her. We don't know the Queen. In fact, Steve's done even better than me. Talk to her when you went down there. You saw the picture recently. But I'm telling you now, you can walk around in the house. You can look at all the things in the kingdom of God. You can go in and out of the house and the rooms and look at the gold and, and admire the kingdom. But you don't know him. You don't know the king. I'll tell you what, it's better than paying the twi- cheap 20 pounds to just look around the room. It's better to spend time with him. And to know who he is. Because when you do, you'll, f- you'll enjoy the rooms far more. So many of us, he's given us access to his kingdom by his grace to walk in and out of the rooms. And you're all looking around at how great this is. But he's saying, please come and know me. Don't just look at the gold. Don't just look at all these things in here. And I want to know you. I want to know you. To cost to know the king is to give you time. Nicodemus in John 3, 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again to see the kingdom. You've got to give your life. You've got to give everything to him to see the kingdom. You see, Nicodemus, he understood the scriptures. He knew about God. But you've got to give your time. It's number two today. It's going to cost you Your place. It will cost you your place. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Many years ago, we used to go to an event called Grapevine. You may know it. It's like spring harvest and all these things. And it was so funny because we used to camp. We used to go with the church. There were about 20 of us in a group. And we went for about four days and there were about, what, four to five thousand people in these meetings in this massive, huge, big top ten. I loved it. I used to love going. The worship was amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. And everyone, there's thousands of people on this camp are just eager to get to each meeting. And every time we used to go, I used to find it so funny because we'd walk up there, we'd be walking across the grass through the fields where we're camping and we'd get up to this massive, big top tent. And outside there would be this huge queue of people waiting to get in about 30 minutes, an hour before the meeting even starts. You know, these people weren't just, they weren't just hungry. They probably were hungry for the presence of God. But 
you soon found out when you got in the queue that they probably weren't. They were hungry to get a good seat. They were hungry to get a decent seat. It should when the tent opened and the stewards, the poor stewards there, boy oh boy, they barged their way through and everyone would be running down, running to the front in this huge big top tent, trying to get the seats. Then they'd be putting coats on, trying to reserve the seats at the front, making sure that they're close to the presence of God. You know, every time, and I've got to, I'm going to put my hand up, I started to join the running. I got there and I thought, well, if I don't get, if I don't join them and I don't run, I'm not going to get a decent seat because everything gets full. So we started, we were stood there with my parents. Yeah, they'll, we were there. And at first we were like, this is crazy, isn't it? By the end of the week, we were running with them. You know it. We've all done it. Running down and I thought, what is this about? Trying to get to the front, trying to get to the glory. The closer you are to the speakers, the more presence. Oh. And we ran in there and it was all about the seat, the position. Let me tell you this, that if you become like little children, Jesus said, you've got to be, you've got to be prepared to give up your place. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the ones who were prepared to sit at the back. Come on, sir. You're the greatest for me today. The greatest are the ones who are prepared to sit at the back, to lose their seat, to lose the position of everyone thinking you're great, and sit right at the back, at the bottom seat. Jesus says these are the ones. In fact, just before he's about to go to the cross, he gets on his hands and knees and starts washing people's feet. That's the sign of someone who takes the low seat. He says this is what the king's about, guys. Not about who's the greatest, not about who looks like a king, but I'm going to get on my feet and I'm going to wash your feet. Remember this, because when I'm gone, this is what it's all about. Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter this kingdom. You see, the world says this, to get to the top of the ladder, to get to the top of the ladder of success, you've got to look the greatest. You've got to have the best this and that, and you've got to look top in everything. That's what it's all about. Get the top seat. I was listening this morning to the radio, and someone asked the question, true or false, did Simon Cowell, did he, was he a runner for a movie? If anyone knows who Simon Cowell is, was he a runner for a movie? That's someone who does all the servant jobs for someone in making films. Did he do that? Or not before he's where he is today. And they were trying to debate whether or not they thought it was true or not. In fact, it was true. He started off right there at the bottom. They couldn't believe it because they just see him as he is. But let me tell you this. He's worked his way up. That's great for him. But you have to be prepared to take the low position. To serve your way into kingdom. So many of us think it's about competition. Oh, they're doing this and I need to do that. I need to just do exactly what so-and-so's doing. Every single one of us in here are different. We've all been called to purpose for God. There's certain things that I see other people doing, I think, I don't do that. But do you know what? I'm starting to not worry so much about what others do. Just worry about what I'm doing. Because you're accountable on the day when the king comes to talk about what you've done. Not what others have done. What you have done. 
In John 3, verse 30, John the Baptist, speaking of Jesus coming, he says this. He realizes that Jesus has now come on the scene. He says, he, speaking of Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. So, in other words, all the way through the prophetic words of the Old Testament, it reaches this point, this, this, this massive position when John the Baptist, who Jesus described as one of the greatest men, but then he said even the least in the kingdom is better than John the Baptist. It all gets very confusing. But listen, he said this, he said, John the Baptist looked at Jesus, knew he was the Son of God. He said, I must become less so he can become greater. In other words... Get this, you think sometimes that the power of God, that Jesus, his power would increase, that it, 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 it fluctuates. Do you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever? His power never changes. He's, he is power. He is God. He is I am. He's not fluctuating. He doesn't turn up to number 240, uh, number on the oven as we would put it. He doesn't change the temperature. John the Baptist said, all it needs is for me to get out of the way. And I want to tell you today that some of us, if we want to see God come, the cost is we've got to decrease. In other words, just so that we can see Jesus. Move out the way. Some of the best things that we could all do, including me, is sometimes shift out of the way. Let Jesus be seen. He said, I must decrease. I must become less. The message puts it like this. John the Baptist says, this is the assigned moment for him, that's Jesus, to move into the center while I slip off into the sidelines. Just think about that. In other words, for you, as Jesus becomes more real in your life, as soon as you spend more time and you understand who he is, the cost of it is this, your place. Not for you to look greater, but for you to actually get out of the way. I'm learning more and more the other week when we saw some amazing things happen, I just got out of the way. And Jesus started working. I thought, wow, it's so much easier. It's so much easier when Jesus does this kind of stuff than us trying to do things. It's far, far easier. John the Baptist appears to look like he's taking the back seat, doesn't he? He looks like he's, oh, wait a minute, he's taking a back seat. This is the person who we've known for years, preaching in the wilderness of the one who's to come. Now he's, now he's gonna decrease. It looks like he's taking the back seat. Let me tell you, the key to the kingdom is for you to get out of the driving seat, in the back passenger seat, and sit there, and let God direct you. Not trying to drive, not even trying to sit in the front, in the passenger seat, trying to change gear for the other person. No. Sit where your hands can't touch the gearbox or the steering wheel or the bricks. Emma's not a very good passing. I wasn't going to say this, but she, she's okay. But I, I tend to just, I just, I just like her to drive. It's so much easier. I found that. But sometimes then she says, you treat me like a taxi. I said, no, you like to drive. Backseat passengers, it can be the nightmare, can't it? You know? But some of us need to take the back seat. Back seat. Take the low position. It's going to cost you your place in, your, in the kingdom of God. It's going to cost you your place. See, Peter in that story, right at the beginning, what we read, when he goes to the door and he answers the door and they ask for the two drachma. And he's got Jesus inside. 
right now at this position. He had to leave the place in the house right with Jesus to go down to the lake to do some fishing. He had to leave the house. Jesus said, if you want to see my kingdom come now, I want you to leave here in the comfort of this house with whoever there was in the room with him. And I know it's you want to just stick around me, but I want you to go out and do some fishing. And Some of us, we're not willing to go down and do some fishing and do the hard work and get out. We just want to stay with Jesus in the house. Jesus says, if you want to see my kingdom come, take the low position. Leave me here, go down to the lake and get your fishing rods out and fish. And by the way, when you go, you're not just fishing for a fish. Objective, mission, find a fish, first one with a coin in its mouth. Big challenge. Big challenge for a fisherman who knows how to fish to find his first fish and believe that God's going to really show a coin in its mouth. Is he willing to leave or is it better just to sit with Jesus and have another chat and another cup of tea and raid the piggy bank and try and find another two drachma to pay off the guys instead? Which is the easiest? To go fishing. What kind of things in your life today can you decrease in? What does it mean for me? It's easy to say decrease, shift into the sidelines so Jesus can be revealed. What kind of things can you decrease in today? I just put here that if you decrease in judgment on people, if you decrease in judgment, you'll increase in grace. Jesus will start to show his grace more through you as you've been less judgmental. Decrease in criticism and increase in praise. Decrease in self-centeredness all about me, my position. And increase in compassion. Decrease in pride. And increase in humility. All these things you said, these are the things, that's just a few that you can do tomorrow. To decrease in and to shift out of the way so Jesus can be revealed. How many of us are so judgmental over others when Jesus says, I just want my grace to shine through. How many of us are so critical over others when he just wants us to praise people instead of criticizing people? Finally today, the third thing is going to cost you your pride. It will cost you your pride to operate in the kingdom of God. Jesus said to Peter, go to the lake, throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. I said it a minute ago. I want you to just picture this scene for just one moment. Because we glimpse over these passages and it's so crucial you see this. Jesus says to him, in order for you to pay my tax even though I shouldn't pay it, I'm going to show you now what real kingship is. Because I am the king of all kings. And if you go down with your fishing rod, I know you know how to fish, Peter, but you're going to find a fish. I know you've never seen one before, but it's going to have a coin in it. This is a pure miracle, by the way. We're starting to see some things here at the moment. They're like, these are miracles. I'm telling you, I can't believe sometimes what my eyes are seeing. I have to keep, I honestly cannot believe it. I find it difficult to, logic can't work it out. 
But he says, go down, go fishing, and you'll get the money to pay them off. But not only will you get the money to pay them off, you're going to see a miracle and you're going to see that I am a king. You should have never even thought it in the first place that I should pay the tax. And secondly, you're going to see a miracle. Go down now. So he gets his fishing rod. He doesn't stick around. How many of us, if God is asking us to do some extraordinary things, step out in faith and do the most craziest things, will think, actually, it's probably best to just stick around in the house with Jesus. I'm just going to stick in the house with Jesus. It's, well, it's good to be with Jesus, isn't it? We can talk about miracles. We can talk about the good things. But it doesn't. He goes out. He doesn't say anyone else went with him. He says he went down. No one else went. He went down. As it appears to go fishing. To operate in the kingdom of God. It's going to cost you your pride. I'm telling you, as people would have asked him, I'm going down there. They'd have said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going down to get a fish and I'm going to get in the fish. By the way, there's going to be some money and it's going to be enough to pay the the tax. If you do some crazy things, sometimes the things that I say and I do, I tell you, people think I'm crazy. They think I'm crazy. But do you know what? I'm beginning to not really care what people think because I'm willing to lose my pride for him. I'm willing to lose my pride for the King of Kings. Because I know the day he returns, when he's on that horse, and he comes back, and it says it on his thigh, and it says it on his on his robe, who he is. I say, I knew who you were. I knew you were because kings have everything that you need. There's not one thing that he cannot do. I used to sing that in Sunday school. How true it is. I never really understood it. There's nothing he cannot do. And he goes down. He goes down to look. He goes down to look to go fishing, to find this coin in the mouth. Let me tell you this. If you want to operate in the kingdom, it's going to cost you pride. You're going to have to pay the royalties for the kingdom. Do you understand what royalties are? It was only the other day I was reading that Paul McCartney, the guy out of the Beatles who made so much money, he wrote some songs many years ago with Michael Jackson. Who then died. But still every time he performed a song of uh, of his own. Paul McCartney's own song that he wrote. He had to pay royalties back to Michael Jackson. Who had died. Because there's a contract. I'm telling you today. That if you want to operate in the kingdom of God. There's a cost. And you're going to have to pay the royalties for the kingdom. You'll pay the royalties for operating in his kingdom. And that is your pride. He says, you want to do this, you want to see some good things. If you want to operate through and see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven, there's a price to pay. There is a price to pay. And it will be costing your pride. I'm prepared to pay the royalties for him. To operate in his kingdom. I don't want to just look around his house Look at the great things that he does. I want to pay the price to see the great things. Amen. You see, one thing, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Jesus in that house, the moment he says to Peter, go out, get your fishing rod, get, your, get all your stuff out. I know that we sat here. Go down there, go to the lake. There's one thing that Jesus could have done that day. If he was the king, and he is, he could have made the coin appear right in front of his eye. 
Why did he not do that? Have you ever asked yourself the question, if he could do it, why didn't he do the miracle in that way, the way that you'd want it to happen? That he doesn't have to get all his fishing stuff back out again. He doesn't have to go back down to the lake again. He doesn't have to believe a crazy thing that a fish can have the coin in. Why didn't Jesus say, open that pot there and you'll find four drachmas, go and pay them. Why does he waste his time? If I was Jesus, I'd do it a completely different way. I'd say, go in the kitchen, you'll find it on the side in an envelope. It's got your name on it. There's our four drachma. Let's have another cup of tea. But no. Understand this. There's a reason behind everything. Jesus sends him out fishing. He says, you're going to have some work to do and it's hard. Fishermen, I don't know about you, but if there's any fishermen in here, God bless you. I, I don't know how you are, are so patient. I watch them. It's, it's great to watch, but, but they sit there each day and they, they're there in the wellies and it's, in some places it's quite dirty. But they go out. And I'm telling you, Jesus wants us to learn to start activating faith and doing some things like that that will release his kingdom. That's what releases kingdom. Faith. Faith. Not sat in the lounge waiting for him to do everything for you. Faith. Go and go fishing. Get dirty. And this goes against all prosperity gospel teaching. Because prosperity gospel teaching says sit there, relax, and God will bless you. You don't have to do a thing. Go and open the envelope in there. Just pray another prayer and you'll find it come flooding in. But Jesus says no. He says I'm going to show you something. If you go fishing for me, in fact, really, you've probably shown that you're going to one day be fishers of men. This is what you're going to have to fish for. But if you go and do this for me, you'll not only see my power, but my provision. Amen? You, when you work for God, you seek first his kingdom and put all these things above everything else. It's not about prosperity gospel. It's about he will give you the things you need for the task. And what he wanted for them is, he wanted them to go out fishing. He wanted them to see that if you just do what I say, obey me, secret is obedience. Go out and do these things. You're going to find that I'll just, I'll deal with the temple. I'll deal with your things you need to do. Not I'll buy you a speedboat to go on the lake next time you want to go fishing. No, I'll deal with the things you need to operate in my kingdom. The easiest option is for us to pay the easiest price to go and raid the piggy bank and say, Jesus, let's just, we don't need to do anything. If you're paying the tax, I'm going to just pay for you and let's just sit and talk. I don't think it's about talking in the house anymore. It's about getting out of the door. It's not about talking in the house anymore. It's about getting out of the door. How hungry are you to see a miracle? How hungry are you to see God's kingdom Come on earth as it is in heaven as we pray. Because I want to see it come. See, when it costs you your time, Jesus said this, that to follow him you have to pick up your cross. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26, he said, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Hallelujah. 
if you're prepared to lose your life for his sake, you will truly find it. One of the things I'm learning these days is the more I am prepared to give up my life and my pride and all these things that cost, the more I'm prepared to give him, the more I see him come through, the more I'm prepared to take up my cross. Taking up a cross is not easy. Dying to self, getting rid of some selfish desires out of our lives, the things that we're so selfish about, being available to God, being readily available. Many years ago, I sung a song when I was really young. My parents used to sing, here I am, wholly available. Ask for me, I will serve the Lord. I don't know about you today. Are you available for him? Are you really, really available? When you pick up your cross, you die to self and you're available. And God also wants to direct us. Going to places that you feel uncomfortable going. I can imagine that they were down at this lake and Peter was saying, when I cast this line out, apparently Jesus told me back there that I'm going to get a coin in this mouth and it's going to, they're probably just like Noah's time. Are you off your mind? Mate, just go back. And there's people in his ear probably saying, what, you believe that the first fish that you're going to catch is going to have a coin in its mouth? Yeah, because my king said it. And if he says it, I believe it. And I know that he says, you'll see great things, greater works than I've done. If you believe that, then you should believe anything. He wants us to give up our whole lives. Surrender everything we are to him. I put here that Mother Teresa once said this, a sacrifice to be real must cost, must hurt, and must empty ourselves. Give yourself fully to God, she said, and he will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your weakness. Hallelujah. Mother Teresa seemed to understand it. She got it there. Are you prepared to pay the price for God's power this morning? Are you prepared to pay the cost, pay the royalties? Or do you just want to sit in the house, chill out, and wait for someone to return with their fishing rod, with the coin in their hands, saying, look what I've got, and then wish you'd have gone yourself? Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.